Welcome to Academic Medicine Leadership Lessons, brought to you by the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine. On this podcast, we speak with leaders in academic medicine about a variety of leadership topics. And now, your host, Dr. Saria Carter-Sicosio. Well, welcome today to our Leading a Committee podcast. We have Dr. Carly Pippett with us today. She's the Director of Medical Student Education and Family Medicine for the Department of Family and Preventive Medicine at the University of Utah. Additionally, she's an Assistant Dean for Community Faculty. Welcome, Dr. Pippett. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. We're glad to have you today. Uh, We'll go ahead and jump right into the discussion about leading committees, participating in committees. In fact, how did you first get involved in serving on a committee or commission? What was that like for you? Uh, I would say some of the first committees that I served on were within my department. And I think initially, I don't know that I really thought about it as a committee. I probably thought about it uh, as a meeting. So as a chief medical resident in my last year of residency, we had a chief's meeting and we sat in on a curriculum committee meeting. Um, so I think those were probably some of the first, the first things that I really would say were probably in practicality a committee, but I didn't necessarily appreciate it at the time. I think most people feel that way. Oftentimes we just show up and then realize we're in the middle of either a productive or effective meeting or committee or not. We've probably both had those experiences. So tell me, were you nervous the first time you were asked to lead a committee? What did that look like for you? And what did you learn with that first experience? Uh, I was definitely nervous the first time I was asked to lead a committee. I wasn't, uh, I think all of us have our uh, our flare-ups of imposter syndrome. So I sort of wasn't sure if I was really the one who was appropriate to be leading the meeting. Um, and I wanted to make sure I had uh, the tools necessary to lead the meeting effectively. You talked about being on... Um, meetings that are great and some that maybe lead something to be desired. And so for me, that's what I drew on was what to me were the most effective meetings that I felt like I had been to and what were characteristics of those. Um, It reminds me of when I talk to third year medical students and they get frustrated that they feel like they're just shadowing in the room or not a big part of care. And I tell them, so it's hard to emulate things that you think you want to do well but it's a lot easier to say, oh, I don't want to do that. So pay attention to both of those things. Wise advice. And so I, I jotted down a, a couple of thoughts from you. The, the shadding experience, which is not so ideal, versus perhaps actually participating in the conversation. Maybe that's something that's important in the work that you do. Um, are there specific steps that you follow when you're preparing for a committee, perhaps that's considering exactly what the participant may get out of it or any other examples you'd give? I would say some of the most important uh, mentoring that I got and things that I would say I appreciate the most about meetings or committees that I am a part of is um, number one, having an agenda for the meeting. So um, making sure that everyone knows what are the things that are gonna be discussed and uh, if anyone in the committee is responsible for any of that information and making sure that information gets out in a timely fashion. So I think we've all, you know, been in clinic all morning and then had a meeting in the afternoon and people were like, oh, I sent you the agenda this morning and I don't have time to look at that. So making sure that it's, you know, I mean, a week is ideal, but at least a couple days before so that people can prepare any materials. I try to, if I want someone to talk about something in particular, maybe to reach out to them and say, hey, can you follow up on you know, this 
this item from last week's meeting. I think that's really helpful so people know. Um, obviously, trying to pick a time for the meeting where everyone can be there and be present and dedicated to the moment and not uh, distracted by other tasks that all of us need to be doing on. Sometimes that's easier said than done, but that would be the ideal situation. And then for me, especially using people's time wisely. So uh, the best advice someone gave me was start on time, end on time, and stick to your agenda. So if you, if we get done early, you don't get to add things to the agenda just because we have time together. And similarly, if we have a couple items left on the agenda, but time is up, that means you need to have another meeting. Let's not take more time to finish things up just because we're all still there. I love it. I love an organized leader of committee. I wish you could lead every committee that I participate in, Carly. We've all been there to your point. And what I heard you say was spot on about having an agenda, following the agenda, starting and ending on time, and holding yourself accountable as the leader of the meeting and others to make sure they follow through on their to-do list. That's fantastic. So do you ever ask for feedback? of how your meetings are running. Have you ever had those meetings where you're meeting month over month and then all of a sudden the energy seems to be sucked out of the room and you're wondering perhaps why you've ended there? What do you do in a situation like that where you sense that something just isn't running smoothly anymore effectively with the meeting? I think I'd probably look back and think, is this a committee that still needs to be meeting? So has our purpose ended or whatever it was that drew us together at the beginning. And maybe that's why it just because things have sort of naturally ended. Um, that can happen a lot sometimes on clinical projects. Uh, if, say, the project was still ongoing, I would either think about just asking the committee, like, is it just me or does it feel like this isn't we don't have the same energy or vibe or things that are going on. And I would feel comfortable asking that to the group. I suppose it depends on the size of the group and who else is there. Um, and if I didn't feel comfortable asking that to the group, I would maybe just reach out to a, a couple members of the group and say, is this just me? Or do you kind of feel like this isn't, this isn't a productive use of our time as it should be? I suppose that's more from me leading. If I was a committee member and I felt the same way, that would be something I think I would go talk to the committee leader about, like, is it doesn't feel like we're going this direction or um, that things aren't things aren't moving in the way they should be. And that might that might be OK to happen during the committee meeting time. And that might be something that's done better after the committee. Um, I think it sort of depends on what's going on and what is the power dynamic between everyone involved, because you don't. You don't want to undermine or sort of call out a leader in front of everyone um, when it might just be a personal feeling that's more about you than necessarily the group as a larger piece. That's an insightful leadership trait I heard you share there. You really have to know your audience and getting that vibe and how comfortable are people. Do they have that level of psychological safety where people don't necessarily feel attacked, but you can have a candid conversation in the room? So being on both ends of that conversation, I can completely relate. That's for certain. So living in the world that we do today, where many of our meetings are face-to-face, and then still there are others that we meet by phone. It may be through Zoom or Skype or GoTo. There's so many different um, ways that we connect outside of a face-to-face engagement. So how do you decide if you're the leader of a committee, whether or not it should be, has to be face-to-face, if a phone call would be okay? And then in a case like that, how do you keep folks to stay focused on the committee or the material that's being discussed, especially if there are all these distractors and no way to have at least a video camera in front of one another. 
I would say more and more. I like having the option of having a virtual meeting as opposed to just meeting in person. Uh, for me, where I am at in Salt Lake, my clinic is in one location, my department is in another location, and the School of Medicine is in a third location. And just to reduce the amount of windshield time, I think it is a thoughtful and kind thing to do to people to make an option to do things online. I do think there's a fair amount of etiquette that needs to happen when you do an online meeting, either a phone meeting or um, a meeting with webcams. I think having the webcam is, I like it actually personally over just a, a phone meeting because I think it peeps, keeps people accountable. I mean, you may not know what I'm looking at on my computer screen, but at least I'm engaged with you here. Whereas if I'm on the phone, I you know, could have walked out of the room to go fill up for a glass of water or to go do something completely differently. And I'm not present in the same way that I would be in the meeting right then. So I think as much as we, as you can make the option to do things online, I think we should be trying to do that uh, for people because I think it's a better choice. Some committees just by virtue of the makeup, it has to be an online meeting. So if you're meeting with people from uh, a committee is made up from people around the country, well, then it needs to be an online meeting. And I think the same thing, the, some of the nice things about uh, screen is when you're when we're talking in a meeting, I can see your face and I can see that you're about to say something that's a lot harder to do in a phone conversation. So I think the webcam can make a big difference. Uh, you just also need to be aware of um, the sounds around you. So one of our uh, conference rooms up at the department has the speaker in the middle of the table and someone is always sitting in front of it, like stacking papers together or doing something like that. Um, I'm usually the one that calls out like, can whoever's doing that please just stop. So keeping in mind those sort of etiquette things like mute your sound, um, uh, you know, make sure you don't have stuff around you. Uh, all of those sorts of things are really important. Just like you would respect the person sitting in the room with you, you should respect them in the same way, even in the virtual environment. So your comments are an excellent reminder of appropriate phone etiquette, especially during conference meetings. Mute your phone unless you're speaking. And you're so right, without a video camera, it can be challenging to also gauge body language. And is, are our folks bought in? Are, is there some reservation? Are they ready to say something? And I, I know whenever I'm facilitating a meeting, I'm always looking for the person in the room that perhaps isn't talking, but you can tell they're really thinking. And it helps when you have a video to call on others who perhaps are engaged and want to speak, but they're the more quiet person in the room instead of having one or two people um, lead and monopolize the conversation. Absolutely. And I think it's a better way to engage everyone that you're trying to meet with. Um, just like you said, because you can see who's maybe thinking or maybe who's not paying as much attention and you want to pull them back into the conversation. Well, that's an excellent comment. So how do you do that in a respectful way, um, holding people accountable? I like the language you use, accountability, without making someone feel uncomfortable or defensive if they're not so engaged and you need them to be engaged. How do you handle that situation? I think one of the best things you can do is, you know, perhaps sort of say their name first to get their attention. And then um, for me, sometimes recapping the question again or, or sort of bringing up uh, what it is. So it's not just like you called out on them and were like, hey, what were you thinking and made it obvious that they weren't paying attention. So I direct some courses in the first year of the medical school. And so I'm often in the back of the room, like, you know, getting our exams ready or, or 
doing something else, I will totally confess, not completely engaged in the lecture in the front, because um, I'm, I'm just there to sort of like answer questions and be ready. And uh, a couple of people I've taught with for a long time will know, they'll say like, so Dr. Pippet, and I'll sort of look up at them with this slightly panicked look in my eyes, and they're very good about kind of pausing. So I have a moment to collect myself and then re-asking the question so it's not so obvious. And I don't have to say, I actually wasn't paying attention. Can you ask me the question again? So I think that way you give someone um, the space to not embarrass themselves and can recover. And I think that's really important. So a kind way to re-engage perhaps a, a participant, not so much participating. I, I've been in the room where people just say, and what do you think, Saria? Or how many times have you heard someone come back to the line and say, oh, I got pulled away. Uh, I didn't hear the question. <laughs> we all have our own unique way of trying to re-engage in a conversation. So it's helpful to repeat the question or to give that, that brief perspective whenever you're asking them to comment. That's the kind thing to do, at least. So you mentioned, I want to go back to this for a moment, the, the concept of imposter syndrome. And any time we're stepping into a, a leadership role, it can be uncomfortable or we feel like, oh, wow, am I really the most competent person to lead or have the expertise to facilitate this conversation? So what surprised you the most about being a leader and jumping right into that role in facilitating committee meetings? I think what has been most surprising is that sometimes I do have more knowledge than I gave myself credit for, or I do have more, um, almost even credibility. So I can think of some committees where I've been asked to lead and I've thought to myself like, well, I'm, I'm not the person that should be in charge of this meeting at all. Um, but it becomes clear after a couple conversations or even, um, in the, as the meeting sort of goes across or, or sort of goes along that, no, I, I can direct this, I can move it forward and we are actually making progress. Um, like I said, I, I always want meetings to be a worthwhile use of people's time. Uh, so if we're gonna spend this time getting together when all of us are so busy making sure it's useful and it was worthy of a meeting, um, I don't know that any of us want any more email, but I don't know that any of us want any more meetings either. So how can you make it a worthwhile experience that people feel like they left we accomplished something, we moved something forward uh, going along. So I think I think that's probably what surprised me the most is that um, sometimes I, I brought more to the table than I thought I did and I didn't actually realize it until we got into it and I started talking or things started happening. Well, the fact that you've been so intentional about your thought process and how you handle these meetings and preparing, I think says a lot about your leadership style and how you facilitate these committees. So I would love to sit into one of your committee meetings anytime. You can send me a meeting invite. I know I won't be wasting time. However, there are sometimes saboteurs in the audience. On occasion, conversations can become quite tenuous or create some emotion for those that are participating. How have you handled that situation in the past where perhaps someone's stepped over the line or as being offensive to others? What have you done to diffuse that situation or address the individual who perhaps is not being the most professional with their etiquette in the meeting? So I try to acknowledge whatever the question is that the person has said at the beginning. So maybe if it seems a bit off task or um, let them at least know that I heard them before I try to redirect things. I would definitely say I try not to shut things 
down. Um, I talked about, you know, having an agenda, following that agenda. I think as best we can, you try to allot the amount of time that you have available. I think if the conversation that comes up or something, you know, maybe I initially think that this person is a bit of a saboteur with their question or with their comment, but then it actually becomes clear that maybe they're speaking on behalf of the larger group or they're definitely not the only one with that opinion. Well, then maybe this is an okay diversion and maybe this means we're not going to get to the other items in the agenda. And I think sort of calling that out, like, is, you know, this, I'm getting the sense that other people might feel the same way. You know, this is how much time we have left on our agenda. Should we take a few minutes and discuss this to make sure everyone is clear? I think that can be helpful. If it does look like it's just one person, then I, um, I think you have to find a balance of uh, asking for permission and also telling someone, no, we, I want, can we talk about this offline? I want to talk more about this, but we have a lot of agenda items to get through and I want to make sure we get through to them. You have to be a little careful with that because I've heard it done before where people are like, well, that's a different conversation. We're talking about it offline that I think can come across as very dismissive. So I think making sure the person knows that um, you heard what they said and if you can't like sort of tighten up and wrap up the answer right then, then sort of offering to discuss it later. And what I hear you saying is that intentional language, but also your emphasis and truly connecting with what perhaps is concerning the most, validating, first of all, what they're saying and, and truly listening to their thoughts. Um, I also like the idea, you use different words, but the discernment of, is this a relevant rabbit hole? And when do we just move on and, and be more direct with the conversation? That's fantastic. And, and something that we all challenged with from time to time. Um, I think it's very important to recognize that everyone is at the table and deserves to be heard and respecting everyone with what they have to say. Any other suggestions or tips that you would give to the audience in regard to how to lead a committee? Uh, I think um, if you're asked to lead a committee, it was for a good reason. So I think, you know, trust that uh, your leader, your mentor, you know, whomever it was that asked you to lead that, I think trust that they know that you're capable of doing it. Uh, I think don't be afraid to ask for help. So I think sometimes you feel like as the leader, that means that you need to accomplish everything, that everything needs to fall onto you. Um, but you're still a committee. There's still other people that are involved. So it's okay to say, oh, and can you can you finish this task? Can you follow up on this? Um, so still using the committee as it was intended. I think those are some important things that you tend to forget um, when you're in that role. And I know I keep talking about respecting everyone's time, but that's a that's a big deal to me. Um, so we're all late for various reasons at times. Um, I usually won't go back and repeat things if we've already covered them in a meeting, but I'll offer to sort of rediscuss those uh, at the end so that everyone feels like they're caught up on the same page. Very helpful advice. Thank you so much for sharing with us some of your wisdom and experience being a leader of committees. Um, it is very clear of why you've been chosen to lead in, in several of these meetings, and I appreciate your suggestions and guidance for today. Again, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Pippett. It's been fun learning from you and listening to your tips and how to be the best leader and active participant in a committee. My pleasure. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks again. 
You've been listening to Academic Leadership Lessons. This podcast is produced by the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine. Visit us at stfm.org and follow us on Twitter at stfm underscore This podcast is copyright Society of Teachers of Family Medicine 2020.